Sometimes what, what he wants us to really do is the body of Christ, instead of trying to discern the signs of the times and the end times and proclaiming it and all those kinds of things, what God really wants us to do is occupy. He wants us to go about and he wants us, it says that the, the, the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And what we want is he wants his kingdom to come now. That's why he gave us a prayer that actually says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So we're actually, it's an action that the church is involved in is an action of let's see the kingdom come right now because what? He's come in our midst. He's already been here. He dwells right here in me. Say me, me. Yeah, you. He dwells right here. And so what happens is, is we can be looking out there and we can be looking for all kinds of things. And we can be saying, well, watch what, watch Israel. And then Israel comes and goes and there's some things that are happening right now I don't know much about. I'm not sure how much I want to know about. Um, I don't want to be ignorant, but, but I also don't want to be watching TV instead of being sharing with somebody who needs Jesus. You see what I mean? But there's this stuff called the blood moons. How many of you guys have heard about the blood moons? Okay, so everybody's trying to understand the blood moons, and it somehow has some correlation to the end times and what's going to happen. This is unprecedented. It, it only happens X amount of times in, in history. And so now we're trying to tie it into something in times, but here's the problem. We've already had one. Is that right? The problem's going to be is that God's going to do what God's going to do irregardless of how he manifests himself in nature, including blood moons. Okay? So what happens is we can begin to get a theology around signs and wonders, and we'll miss the real sign and wonder, which is the sign of the cross and the wonder of forgiveness and the fact that we get this, this mercy and this grace that is new every morning, see? We're going to miss the idea that we're supposed to be pulling people into the kingdom. We're supposed to be helping them to understand Jesus Christ and embrace him fully and then live for him. So what it's really about this morning's message, in essence, is, is his kingdom, his, his kingdom. Go ahead and point up there. Say his. His kingdom now. His kingdom now. Because his kingdom, 1900 and almost 2,000 years ago, he says, his kingdom, the kingdom is in your midst. If it's in their midst then, way back then, by the way, if you know anything about the, the uh, pattern of Scripture, you'll know that he's talking about this before the cross. See? Just the chronology of, of Jesus' life is that Luke 17 happens before the, the uh, crucifixion of, of Jesus. Before we can say, he actually, all authority has been given to me. He found that authority on the cross, but he had the authority because Jesus is God. We, he's one in the same. And yet he took on this form as a suffering servant. He came here to, to die and sacrifice his life that you and me get to live. That's what Jesus has done. And so he's actually talking about the kingdom being in the midst. And some people could say, and rightly so, that what, what he's referring to is he is the kingdom. The essence of the kingdom is Jesus himself. And so the kingdom is in your midst, meaning I am in your midst. And that would be a true statement. But he's saying something even bigger than that because his word doesn't pass away. He's saying that his kingdom is in our midst right now today because you've received him into your heart, which means you have kingdom in your heart. And because you have kingdom in your heart, then, then we, don't, we don't feel comfortable in this kingdom here, in this life. We're, we don't really fit. We're aliens and we're strangers. We're sojourners in this foreign land, even though this is the land of the free and the home of the brave. You see, we were born here, and we can say my citizenship is here, 
but it's actually that my citizenship is in heaven. So my citizenship is in heaven, so thereby I invest myself, I recognize this, that I have some standing here now, that there's a purpose for, for me in, in this time, in America, in this, this day, in 2014, I have a purpose for, for right now. This life is passing away. This body is deteriorating, and it's going to give way to what is an eternal kingdom, an eternal principle. This is a temporal, temporary kingdom. You get it? So here's what I thought about. Think about the the empires or kingdoms of men. Some of you might come up with more than I have, but I just want you to think about the kingdoms or the empires of men. You know all this unrest in the Middle East and, and what they, they'd called the uh, Muslim Spring. Is that right? Or the, I think it was a Muslim Spring. Is that right, what they called it? Arab Spring. I'm sorry. Thank you for that. The Arab Spring. And that's this unrest in, in Syria and Libya and what's happening around the, the, the world, especially in Muslim countries. And there's this unrest, but that unrest means that there's turmoil and there's wars and rumors of wars, just like Jesus said there would be in our day. And so what you have is you have all this turmoil and chaos going on around the world. And and the primary reason, there's a guy I don't like very much at all, and his name is, uh, who is he? He's that guy, Mayor. Marr, Bill Marr, thank you. Bill Marr. And Bill Marr, he's uh, he's really anti-religion. He said religion's really the problem in the world. And I'd almost have to say it is. Because we don't really ascribe to religion, we ascribe to relationship, right? So that gives us a little out that we can kind of hide in the, you know, in some shadow here of that area, or a little bit of the silver lining of religion, is that we're not really trying to practice religion, we're trying to, to know Jesus, and that's relationship. See? So what happens is, there's the United Kingdom. It's, it's actually, been, in my, uh, my life, it's been really always celebrated, the monarchy. You know, I mean, remember from Princess Diana, you know, and how that took, took, uh, took flight and what is drawn. And then with the marriage here of, uh, yeah, that guy, the prince. And he's married this gorgeous woman, and then the child, and the news, and everybody that's on it. And it's a hot topic, and everybody just loves them. Even Americans, we love the monarchy. We love all the pomp and circumstance and all those kinds of things. But I'm telling you, that's an earthly kingdom. Has been for, for centuries and centuries, see? The, so that's, an imp, that's a kingdom or an empire of man. Uh, Islam and what they've established uh, around the, the world. Those are, those are uh, earthly kingdoms. The United Kingdom, Cuba, how many of you remember when Fidel Castro first came to power way back and when literally it was an insurrection and they took over the country. It was guerrilla warfare, if you will, and he was, uh, he was great. And so what happened is, is they've ruled until time of his, he got really sick and ill and now his brother's in that place of, uh, as the dictator. So that's, a, that's a, uh, a kingdom or an empire, kingdom of men. Think about politics. I'm not going to go too far, so my friends, don't worry, okay? But here's what I want you to think about. I thought about politics, forgetting about, you know, left and right and center and conservative and liberal and all the other terminology that literally politics is divided along the lines of ideology, they call it. Ideas. Think about ideas. The object is to rule. It really boils down politics the object is to rule, to dominate and influence or establish policy to govern people. That's what, that's what they do. That's what politics is, in essence. See? 
So what they're trying to do is establish a kingdom. In America, we call it democracy. The problem is, is that the Bible's all about a theocracy, which means God is the head. God's, God's in charge. He's sovereign. Not judges, and not Congress, and not senators, and not presidents, and not any, any other form. It's God. See, if we get a hold of that, we'll see his kingdom come. So I had some interesting things I want to give you before we, we move on. I, one of the kingdoms is these natural kingdoms like the United Kingdom and Cuba and politics. Those are, those are kingdoms of men. These are things that we rally people to our cause. And So then there's the entertainment industry. How many of you have something to do with the entertainment industry? Everybody in the room, because you listen to it, you watch it, you play it, you do something with it. So everybody in here, the entertainment, it's called a conglomerate, by the way. A conglomerate is something like, I don't know if you're aware that PepsiCo has like Pizza Hut and Taco Bell and Kentucky Fried Chicken. So if you say, I'm never going to eat it uh, at, at Pizza Hut because uh, I, I can't stand Pepsi uh, or PepsiCo and, um, because they're pro this or pro that. And then you go to Taco Bell, guess what? You're still supporting PepsiCo because they're called Umbrella. They're an umbrella corporation. They've got all these other facets. So it's called a conglomerate. Let me tell you, if you watch uh, morning news or morning entertainment shows like the, the Good Morning America or the Today Show, um, you can even watch channels like Fox or CNN. And what you'll find is they have guests who come on. You watch Late Night with Jimmy Fallon or you watch something with David Letterman while he's still on and what you'll find is you've got these guys who are traveling around and they're promoting books and movies and, and songs, and that's what they do. And it's, it's one big thing that's all tied together under this conglomerate called the entertainment industry. Here's, here's some interesting things that I have. This is stuff that is distracting the body of Christ. Did you know movies? Last year, 686 movies grossed 10 let me get the number right. Ten billion nine hundred and forty-three million five hundred eighteen thousand six hundred twenty-nine dollars. Six hundred and eighty-six movies. Ten billion nine hundred forty-three in nine in in two thousand thirteen. That means the average movie made fifteen million nine hundred fifty-two thousand six hundred fifty-one dollars. That research is by this company called Box Office Mojo. <laughs> Anything named that cool has to be right. So that was, get it again, 2013, 686 movies, 10,943,518,629 dollars. That's just movies. I love movies. By the way, that's my date night. Arlene and I go on Monday nights. We go to see, uh, we go to movies. And that's, that's what we do. It's, it's just a time. We go out and we eat half-price appetizers because I'm a cheapie. And... Uh, then we, uh, we go to the movie and we got the bucket so we can only pay three fifty or whatever it is for a bucket of popcorn. So that's, that's our movie night, Monday night. Um, gambling, how about that? Hmm. Stepping on toes, Pastor. Fiscal year 2013. Here's, I just looked at Nevada because we'd say that's the gambling capital of the world, right? Atlantic City might be second, but let me tell you, Nevada, when you hear these numbers, this is from their... They have to report these numbers. So I pulled these. They're available online. The uh, combined income statement, the summary with gaming revenues of $1 million and over. In other words, if you didn't make a $1 million, if your revenues aren't a $1 million, bucks, they're, they're not even counting that. And I'm going to say there's a lot of little shops out there, um, roadside places and little bars and family restaurants where they have stuff. But uh, that's not even counted in these numbers. 
They've got 263 locations where they made over a million dollars in, in, in the state of Nevada. 263 locations. The revenue for gaming in the state of Nevada only is $10,395,664,377. In other words, we got people who go all over from, you know, to go to, to Nevada because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, and that means your money stays in Vegas. So gaming was $10 billion from, from, from these places. Rooms, just for the hotel rooms, $4 billion, $788 million. For food, $3 billion, $454 million. Beverages, $1 billion, $660 million. Other, whatever that means, Two billion seven hundred seventy-seven million five hundred nine thousand. The total revenue in the state of Nevada from gambling is twenty-three billion seventy-five million eight hundred thousand four hundred ninety-two dollars. How many of you do anything with retail sales? Anybody do anything or, or, or distribution or anything where you understand what profit margin is? Some of you guys deal with profit margin. You know what that is? It's the bottom line is. Well, how much you made on what you sold versus what you actually have to spend to do your business. So companies are pretty big profit margin driven. See, when jewelry is 70% off, that doesn't mean they're making 30% on it. What it means is they're making 200%. They're giving you 70 and making you feel like you're getting a real deep discount. See? It's just, it's just uh, it's part of the mechanics, how sales work. But here's the gross margin in the gaming industry. Okay? We used to run in wholesale in Florida when I was in the pool business. Our margins would run between 18 and 21%. And man, if you hit 20%, our company was patting you on the back and giving you a bonus. 20%. I couldn't believe this. 92.1% margin, gross margin in the gaming industry. Cost of sales? 7.9%. 7.9%. It cost them $1,820,164,000, I'm $164,923 to bring you to their places to have the, the Mirage and all the places that they've got out there. That's their cost in that year of operating and getting you there. They made $21,255,000,000. Million six hundred thirty-five thousand five hundred sixty-nine dollars. Hey, it's for entertainment purposes only. Just for come and have some fun. I don't know how many of you have become convinced that losing money is fun. Anybody get the idea that losing money is fun? Because you could just give it to me. <laughs> you see what I mean? I'll do better. I'll I'll appreciate you more than they do. Okay. Here, here it is, just to bring it home a little bit, Ohio casinos, just for tables and slots, not counting everything else because I literally was just growing sick. Ohio, just Ohio casinos, which ours are in Cincinnati, it's up in Cleveland, it's over in Columbus, and there's one more, I don't remember where it was. Four, four major cas- casinos in our area, here it is, tables and slots, $821,277,202. This is for 2013. That number is after payouts and promotional spending. In other words, that's, not, that's, that's what they took in after they've already given the money that you might have won for their 
their, their jackpots and their things. This just counts the casinos. This doesn't count the dollars and doesn't count the little, all, all the different scratch-offs that are happening. It doesn't count Powerball. This is just gambling. And I didn't even pick on Pennsylvania or, or West Virginia. This is just, I just looked at Ohio. So if that happens, now it'd be interesting if somebody wants to do that research for me, go in every state and figure out what their gambling is. Do you know what's not regulated and what's not controlled very well? is uh, on Indian reservations. They don't have the same reporting that other casinos do. And so we have no idea how much money is being spent in Indian reservations where they have gambling facilities. And that's been one of the things that they've got some sort of almost like a nonprofit where they don't have to abide by the same laws. Wow. How about video games? you guys play video games? Not a little bit? Some of you play video games. Okay, here it is. They grossed $15.39 billion in 2013. Video games, 15.39. Now, here's the problem. Here's, here's what's interesting. Consumers paid $7.22 billion for downloaded games and $1.83 billion for used and rentals. $1.83 billion for rentals. So when Netflix and when these places have it, you can just rent a video game. That's what that industry has. Now, that's only the United States, 15.39 billion. Okay, remember, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of God now. Do, are we seeing there's kind of a big kingdom that's really in opposition to the kingdom of God? Video games worldwide, guess how much? 110 billion. Worldwide. So if you think all these other countries ain't nothing like America, I'm telling you, they spend 110 billion. Global video game market revenue includes mobile games on smartphones and tablets. That's $66 billion. Retail software revenue is $20 billion. And online revenue, including digital delivery, subscriptions, and Facebook games is $24 billion. So did you guys know you can buy Facebook? On Facebook, you buy games? Yeah, I get them where somebody says, uh, sign on and play Jellyfish or whatever. Um, I never do. How about this? I've mentioned, so we've got casinos and gambling. We've got video games. We've got movies. We've got uh, the uh, entertainment industry, if you will, as a whole. But then pornography. Pornography, which is another hard to, to uh, find, 8 to $13 billion in 2013 for pornography. 8 to $13 billion. Now, that breaks down into all kinds of categories I chose not to discuss. Okay, but eight to thirteen billion dollars because they don't they don't have a good number on it. So that's eight to thirteen billion of just pornography. You wonder why we've got the issues we do in America. You wonder why women are devalued. You wonder why we're having identity crisis and problems with if what marriage really is because the kingdom of the world is in conflict with the kingdom of God. NFL. It grossed $9.3 billion. Now, I love the NFL, by the way, so I'm not really picking on them, but they grossed $9.3 billion in 2013, right? They won't actually give all the, the, the details out, but that's, that's the number. And by the way, Major League Baseball, they grossed $6.5 billion in 2013. The NBA grossed $3.4, I'm sorry, $3 to $4 billion in 2013, what, what's that just add up right there? Just Major League Baseball. So that's 9.3, 6.5. So that's uh, 15.5. And then another 4. So 
$1.5 billion in those entertainment things. Because we go to the ball game. By the way, I just did National Day of Prayer. It was, was Thursday. And I was looking for uh, the Star Spangled Banner. And I found Whitney singing it. One of the best renditions ever. And um, uh, I watched as people, she was singing and they were doing the crowd thing. And people were just, some still had their hats on. Most of them weren't paying any attention to the Star Spangled Banner at all. Um, I know that from Shadyside when we've done football games. I watch and very few people sing anymore. You notice that? And so Star Spangled Banner is, is uh, going on. And uh, there's not much, not much singing happening at all. But then a commercial comes on watching that and everybody's at the front and they're rocking it. They had the, some award show this week and they got everybody clapping and singing. But things like patriotic, something that's meaningful. We found some words that have been kind of written out of. We never sing those words. I put them in. There's a brochure out on the, in the back that talks about the um, it has all the words to the Star Spangled Banner. Did you know there's three verses that we never heard about? Do you know why? Because one of them says, in God we trust. And one of them talks about the power which comes from him. In America, we want to sanitize that. So some of you have been cheated, but you've been lied to. You didn't even know you weren't getting the whole rendition that was written by Francis Scott Key. You just got the part that it's okay, it's reasonable. Go ahead. It's in the back. You can get it when you're, you're done here. How about this? How about television? I just picked on one movie, which is really popular nowadays. Um, let me show, see a show of hands if you, uh, you watch The Walking Dead. Go ahead. Don't, don't hide it. Okay, it's, it's the number one show. Let me tell you, this is how it's broken down. The Walking Dead, by the way, Joel and I went and reviewed that for uh, Character Ed. And we looked at the episodes and what the episodes have in them. You know, it shows them raping somebody. Yeah, well, you don't get to see the nudity and all that, but the intent is there. And you see how degrading they are. And plus the whole culture of death and killing these things because they're not really alive. So this culture of death that exists. But I'm telling you, we couldn't even read these reviews to the sixth graders because they were too blatant. And yet I know that we had third, second, and third graders all watching. Oh, I love that show. And I'm like, parents. Oh, but some of you are thinking, oh, come on, it's just entertainment. That's exactly what they want you to think. Here's why. The Walking Dead television show, 2013, they net $8 million per week off of ad revenue. That means, and it's broken down this way. According to Variety, The Walking Dead has become so popular that it's now the most expensive scripted series to buy 30 seconds of ad space during. Here's a breakdown of pricing. Sunday Night Football, NBC, it costs $628,000 for a 30-second spot. That's, that's only seasonal, see? Monday Night Football, ESPN, $408,000 to buy a 30-second ad. The Walking Dead, AMC, cost $326,000 for a 30-second ad. The Big Bang Theory on CBS, $317,000. American Idol, $281,000. Modern Family, number 10 on the list, is $249,000 for a 30-second slot. How many of you have ever watched American Family? Modern Family, I'm sorry. Modern Family. Do you know what Modern Family is about? Modern Family shows how you can... You don't have to be mom and dad to be able to raise a child. 
it totally presents this modern family is whoever happens to come together, you can adopt and you can find a way. And maybe it's just divorced people and you get together. So what it does is it shows how natural and how normal it is to raise a family. And that's really what today is like. It's modern. See, modern family. In other words, what we're doing is we sit there and we laugh because those things are funny and we watch. And because we watch, it promotes it. And what happens is we've got a kingdom which is totally in a opposition to what we know of the Bible and the kingdom of God. And folks, that's where we have to, we're being lulled to sleep by the entertainment business. It says, AMC makes per episode of The Walking Dead that $8 million every week off of The Walking Dead. Hmm. A lot of people. I was going to do one more stat, and I just didn't have time for it. I, I just I didn't write it down, so I forgot about it until now. And that was, I was curious about how many uh, billionaires we have. Not millionaires anymore, but how many billionaires we have in America. And see, I'm, 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 uh, I'm one of these guys who... Who I like capitalism. I like the idea of how America is generally run. I believe that if you work hard, you should not have any limits to what you can, you can achieve. I looked at retail sales, by the way. I don't think I named that on here. Man, uh, oil, by the way, a great business that you got into because they dominate. I looked at the top companies of revenue in, uh, in uh, the world. And, um, I, I mean... There were 65 companies in the top that made over X amount of billions of dollars. And of those, it was dominated. I'd say probably 40 or 45 of them were oil and gas. Um, so no big deal. That's, it's what we need. We're, we, we, we're using fuel. We're driving big cars. Hello, guilty. Um, but Walmart is number one. And it was 406 or 426 billion dollars in sales. Wow. Just retail. That means people are buying stuff. I'll bet they're buying some stuff they don't even need. You know? And I can share all these places where I found all this stuff. I'm not making up numbers. I'm giving you what I've researched and found. Let me get to the scripture here. Matthew 6, 19 through 24. Some of you know what this says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness." No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the others. You cannot serve God and wealth. Wow. So here's the problem is, there's somebody, I I think I heard this morning, I'm not going to look your way, I don't know if they're even in the room. I heard somebody whose kid didn't want to come to uh, a sixth grader, by the way, I'm thinking. But they didn't want to come to church today. And guess what? We let them not come to church. I ran into this week, we had a a couple that we were meeting with, and guess what they said? Well, I don't believe in forcing my daughter to come to church. And how old is she? 11. Oh, and so you think she's smart enough, and she's got enough of a uh, broad-based knowledge of fact 
in the world to make those kinds of decisions. How many agree with that, that she's smart enough now to make that decision about faith? Not yet, no way. Some of us are struggling with those kinds of issues. But we're allowing them? Don't you guide them in other principles about life? Don't you parent them in other areas? Why wouldn't you parent them in faith? Don't, 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 uh, don't give your kids some, uh, what do we call that? Don't, uh, don't ground them and not let them come to youth group. Ground them some other way. Find some other way. But don't ground them from going to God where that's what will really fix their life and solve their problems. But see, these are little things that people, I'm not going to force my religion on my kids. Because my parents did that to me. Oh, really? So in other words, because you had so much of your hand in the kingdom of this world, video games and other enterprise, you despised going over here and giving praise to God and being in a church setting and learning about him. Did you hear that's what that passage says? You'll love this one and you'll despise this one. I know that that's, I so love seeing teenagers here. I so love seeing young people here. You know why? Because it means you're hungry for something more than can be delivered on a television screen or a video game console. It means that you're after something that you find that you're, you're still thirsty. You're still hungry. You're not satisfied by that stuff. That's exactly what we need. And we need to inspire people like that. We need to encourage people like that. It's why we have youth ministry. It's why we'll do videos and we'll do other stuff just to try to say, when you come here, I don't call it eye candy. Oh, it might, it might feel good or look good. Hezekiah and get grooving up there. I love that stuff. No, it's to help you to engage, to see that there's, there's more to it than what you might be exposed to. And so the kingdom of God is in our midst. See, here's what, here's what we're going to do, by the way. I, I've got it down. I can't delay it more. There's two things, two announcements I see right here in the middle of my thing. One is that we have uh, Diane and Burdett are renewing their vows on the 31st of May and uh, 1.30 in the afternoon. They're having a sign-up because they've invited you guys because you've been part of their life. If you don't know them, they even invited you. Okay? So the idea is, is that's how we get to know people. See? And so if you don't know them, come so you can get to know them. Know about their, their massive things that they've, they've had such loss in their lives. I'm so honored to be your pastor. You know that? To walk with you from the death of their son when he was seven, six, to, to the, the cancers and the things and surgeries that Diane has gone through. Oh, boy. I'm telling you, they are trophies of, uh, that, that God loves them because he's put them through things that I've, I don't even, I don't come close to. I don't have any idea. And yet they love Jesus and serve him fully. Amen? So I just thank you for that. And, and, and part of the way you're going to ever hear that testimony is getting around them. So come to their wedding where we're going to have a celebration and we're, we're doing all that. And, you know, um, I'll pay an extra money for you to go so that you can eat. Okay. But the idea is sign up, and that list is on the back on the Welcome Center. They'll be out there to uh, take your names down and to meet you, maybe for the first time. Just take a, stand, take a chance there and just say, hey, I'm going to go have fellowship with strangers. It's okay. They won't be strangers long. Um, Lee, where's Lee? Lee's right here. Raise your hand up, Lee. There you go. Okay, stand up. That's even better. Would you stand up? This is Lee. Lee is just one of those guys who's, uh, he's like there's a, there's a lady who is in the synagogue and she's bent over 
and you could say osteoporosis, and she goes around and she serves the, the church, and Jesus calls her over at some point, and he heals her, and she straightens up. See? She's been serving, just doing this 30-some years, 38 years, I think it was. She's been in this condition. And one day, well, Lee's like that. Lee's a servant. Lee folds all the bulletins, and he gets some help, but, but Lee's here to, to do that. That's part of what he does. He served the church in various capacities for, for years. So here's what happened. His car went on the blink. And what I'm looking for is a special offering. I'm looking for people. He's got 600 bucks. he sold his car for. I think God blessed him. You can sit down, Lee. God blessed him. So he sold his old car that, that needs so much repairs that it's not worth putting into. And he sold that thing for like 600 bucks. Wow. He drove it how many? Four years? Yeah, four years. He, paid what you, what he, he got what he paid for it four years ago. I mean, that's like, I'm thinking that's pretty stinking clever. Okay? So he's got some money to go toward it, but I don't want him to buy another $600 kind of junker thing, even though that one worked out pretty good. I want to bless Lee. I want you to help me bless Lee. So what I want to do is we're going to help him find a vehicle that will be economical. It's his only way to go out and see his son in, uh, yeah, out by Jamboree in the hills. His son is institutionalized out there. And um, so it's one of the things that he wants to be able to do um, is to be able to go out and see his son. Hello. You know, we can make that happen. So what I want you to consider is I want you to consider what you might give. 10 bucks, 20 bucks. We're not talking about hundreds or thousands. We're not buying a new car. I mean, I'll give him mine. I'll buy the new car. But No. We want to get him at something that, that is decent, and we want it. It'll probably take him through. I'd like it to take him through the rest of his life. I don't know what that means, but it's what the body can rise up and, and just become. And Lee didn't ask, and that's why I'm even more privileged to, to try to do something, just because I know he has the need. All right? So... I want you to consider that. You can put in your, I put it in the, uh, in the bulletin. The offering says there, Lee's um, keys. And so that's a newer car. Consider a special offering. Mark your offering envelopes, Lee's keys. And if you'll do that, we'll be good stewards. And uh, anything that we get from where we save some money, we'll, give, uh, we'll have that as an option. If that's okay by you, that we'll just put that into a little gas fund. Um, how much money you have left over at the end of every month? That's what he lives on after he gets, because he only gets about 700 bucks a month, right? So uh, he pays his rent and utilities and all that. So he's a flamboyant guy. Not. So Joel has uh, offering envelopes. You guys can get those. We want to make this happen sooner than later. So please just consider that. That's what the kingdom of God, recognizing this car and your cars and my car and the houses, those are kind of like, commodities. That's just part of dwelling here. It's okay. That's fine. Um, I don't do it with opulence or extravagance. Okay. If you're blessed that way, that's fine. I'm not taking anything away from you because usually when you're blessed like that, you're also a major blessing because you understand that. So I'd like you to consider that. Hear about this. The kingdom of God now versus the kingdom that I presented. He came not to judge. John 3.17. Everybody knows John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. And then verse 17, it it establishes something. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world would be saved through him. Get it? You know why? It's because we're already judged. 
We're already judged. You don't need anybody wagging a finger in your face, do you? You know, when I asked earlier, how many of us had a bad day, a bad week, a bad time getting up here this morning? See? The world's sin has already been judged. It's judged in the garden to begin with. And it's judged. We come into that judgment. That's why we need his mercy, because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He desires that none should perish. That's 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow about his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. The kingdom of God is not that you're going to send you to hell. He's not sending you to hell. He's paved the, the way to heaven with gold. See, he's paved the way to heaven with his own blood. He's made access. He's put a door open for us to walk through. He's given us an open invitation. In Matthew, Jesus says, so it's not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. See, Luke 17, the kingdom of God is among you. It's what we read earlier. It says in Mark 1, It says, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I'm telling you, the same kingdom of God that was at hand in the days of Jesus in in the first century is the same kingdom of God that is available to us, except that it's been fully sealed and promised and fulfilled by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so now we can have the kingdom of God with authority that we couldn't have had before the cross. You heard me quote it earlier. You know, there's a a scripture, uh, Luke 9, says, Jesus says, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. How many of you, just think about this yourselves, how many of you spend time thinking about your failures and thinking about what you could have done or should have done? How many of you spend time dwelling in the past? And you know where that always takes you? (sighs) To the pit. So this guy, Jimmy, in the little dairy bar this last week, sitting there with Jimmy and someone else, and and here it is. He says, he says he's not, he doesn't, he doesn't look back. He says, the rearview mirror is so small and the front window is so large for a reason. You realize If you just, hey, the front window is where you're supposed to be watching. You're not supposed to be rubbernecking to the right or the left. And if you glance back over your shoulder, it's only for the blind spots. But where where are we going? This is where we're going. The Bible says it this way. Put your eyes on the prize. Keep them there. Keep your eyes on the prize. On the upward, forward call. See? How about the prison of want? I want to end with this. I want you to be preparing your hearts for communion. It says, this is a uh, little uh, devotional from uh, Max Licato. And it comes from that passage in Luke 16, 13. says, you cannot serve both God and the worldly riches. Also Matthew that I quoted. Are you in prison? Are you in prison? No, I'm in church. Are you in prison? I'm not talking about that physical structure. I'm talking about spiritual prison, emotional prison, financial prison. You are if you feel better when you have more and worse when you have less. You're in prison. You are if your joy is one delivery away, one transfer away, one award away, or one makeover away. If your happiness comes from something you deposit 
drive, drink, or digest, then face it, you are in prison. The prison of want. That's bad news. The good news is you have a visitor. And your visitor has a message that can get you paroled. Make your way to receiving, to the receiving room. Take your seat in the chair and look across the table at the psalmist David. He motions for you to lean forward. I have a secret to tell you, he whispers. The secret of satisfaction. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. It's as if he is saying, what I have in God is greater than what I don't have in life. What I have in God is greater than what I don't have in life. You think you and I could learn to say the same? What I have in God is greater than what I have in life. If I don't get anything else, but I got salvation, I've got everything I need. If I've got his presence, I've got everything I need. Are we ready for that I am video? Let's go ahead and run that I am. This is a, this is a poem. You'll get it as it goes along. The poem is called I am. And then we're going to come out of that into communion. Before fluorescent formations ever fomented the foundations of your firmament. That is, before the stars in your sky ever entered existence. Before the light knew what bright meant. Before the sky had a clue where up went. Before either were ever invented. I am. Before terrestrial perennials terraced your planet's territorial terrain, that is, before the plants in your ground were ever ordained, before roots were ever arranged, before fruit had a taste, before either had a name, I am. Before the ocean had a bowl, before the surf discovered its role, before the grave was made sheol, before man had a soul, I am. Before Eden was installed, before the garden serpent crawled, before the tree, before the fall, I am. For I am truth, before there ever could be false, I am perfection, before there ever could be faults, I am by all, in all, through all, all, in all, and I am to be called, I am. Before the curse usurped the ground and drove you away from the divine. Before you felt this separation between who you are and the intention of your design. Before you tried to abide in sources of death in order to find life. Before you combined yourself with any form of pleasure you could find. Before you felt so alone. Before you felt so dry. Before you tried to run away from my side. I am. I am the vine. Before the cherubim ever guarded the garden. Before the flaming sword was ever sharpened. Before that chasm between God and man was ever widened. Before you lost all hope in becoming a citizen of heaven. Before all you earned was endless flame. Before all you deserved was righteous pain. Before you were a sheep hoping not just to be some lion's prey. Before you were a lost lamb longing for a pen. Longing to escape your fate. I am. I am the gate. 
Before sustenance turned to gluttony and food became an enemy. Before attraction was based on anatomy and sex was removed from matrimony. Before money became morality and greed grew into the only causality. Before you were empty without me. Before you tried to satisfy your appetite with anything. Before you strive to feel alive by filling your strife with the fleeting vices of your fleshly devices. Before your hunger for relief left pangs in your side. I am, I am the bread of life. Before you became acquainted with pain and death. Before you ever tasted loneliness Before disease destroyed what you possessed Before eyes could go blind Before ears could go deaf Before you lost the one you love To the grave's unyielding cleft I am For before mankind stopped living So that they might just survive I am the resurrection and the life Before that sadness that grips your mind Led you to darkness and thoughts of suicide Before that distortion of man hurt you So that you now hurt yourself Before you knew razors and wrists could create a new hell Before those wounds turned to scars And those scars became a way of life I am, I am the light For before you even knew how to sin I am where your salvation begins For before you withdrew from the path of my way before you willfully and joyously disobeyed before you betrayed the gift that I gave of that breath in your lungs that life in your airways by saying no to my love and yes to your heresy before you engaged with the enemy waged in sin with intensity before you deranged my supremacy inflamed my jealousy before you chose greed over my adequacy lies over my accuracy pride over my advocacy before you chose your sinful self over me I am, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, for before you were a spotted lamb I am for I am the way before you could ever run away from my call I am the truth before you could ever walk away from my law I am the life before you could ever turn away from my cross at Golgotha's skull so I beg you now to Withdraw, withdraw from your sin, for I am your only temptation. Withdraw from yourself, for I am making you a new creation. Withdraw from your pride, for I am ruining your reputation. Withdraw from your self-righteousness, for I am your only mediation. Withdraw from your hopes and dreams, for I am your only expectation. Withdraw from your life, for I am your crucifixion. For before all time, I am all sufficient. Before all titles and designations, to my name alone did the cosmos listen. For I am Jesus, I am the Word, I am Elohim, I am the Lord, I am the Christ, I am Messiah, I am Creator, I am Jehovah Jireh. I'm the Lamb of God, I am Emmanuel, I'm the begotten Son, I am the Holy One of Israel. I am the first fruits, I am the Prince of Peace, I am the Bridegroom, I am the King of Kings. I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Jacob, I am the Alpha, I am the Omega. I'm the Holy One worthy of praise. So withdraw into my side, withdraw and be made mine, withdraw and with me stay, withdraw into my way. Well, guess what he wants? Guess what he wants? He wants all of you. 
He wants you to choose his kingdom, to choose him as your leader, as your boss. He wants to be all the things that he said he is before we ever existed. He's the I am. Let me ask you this morning, is there somebody here who needs to respond to the I am? Is there anybody here who needs to trade what you have built for what he has built and what he is building? Is there anybody who's been kind of following after the wrong king and wants to make a decision this morning to choose the lordship of Jesus Christ? Then if that's you, then the altar is for you this morning, for you to be able to come. Before we even have communion, is for you just to declare that by coming forward this morning. Not hiding out. That's what we've been doing is being shadow dwellers. But instead coming to the light. I'm in the light right here as a matter of fact. Why don't you come up here and join me in the light? If that's you and you know that God's calling you for some adjustments in your life and it's time for you to withdraw from the kingdom of this world and to engage in his kingdom. Maybe you need to establish a moratorium on building your kingdom and renew yourself to see his kingdom come. If that's you this morning, then you need to respond to his call. So you might withdraw from where you're at and ascend, come to where he's at, where he meets us at the altar this morning. Anybody? So it's an open altar call for each and every one of us. Some of you need Christ. Some of you need to come to Jesus. You don't know him as that great I am. You just know him as, you know, he's, he's been somebody who's out there. He's been something that you're trying to get a hold of, but you don't really understand it. And you need salvation. And some of you are so locked into habits and vices in your life that you need deliverance. Some of you just need to make a stand, a fresh renewing of your intention, what you want to do, what you want to be. The room's full of wannabes. I'm a wannabe. What I need is I need him because he's the one that's going to elevate me. I'll humble myself. And that's what you do this morning as you come to the altar is you humble yourself. And there's a promise that he made to us. If we'll humble ourselves, he'll exalt us. So I'm asking you, church, what do you need to do with the kingdom this morning? I'm not looking for people to look on. I'm looking for people to move. I think that's his whole church. So I open that up right now. Just ask you to come. If you've been living too much for the wrong kingdom, you've been watching the wrong king, you've been investing yourself in things of this life and that you don't have that relationship with Jesus like you really want. You don't have the, the faith. You don't, you don't have the understanding. You don't have that relationship. No condemnation. The condemnation is for those who are not in Jesus. But if that's you this morning, I want you to respond and come forward right now. Stop sitting there. I'm not looking for onlookers, please. Say, God, is that me? How do you feel about my worship? How do you feel about my devotion? Do I spend enough time with you, God? I'm just waiting. Go ahead and get out of your seats and move forward.
nobody's going to pray for you. I want this to be a moment between you and him. He's calling you. The I am is calling you. He hungers and thirsts for you. He desires your fellowship. It could be the moment in your life when you've been waiting for God to do something. He's been waiting for you to do something. He's been calling you, come unto me. Come here. This morning we just get to say, yep, I've been building my own kingdom. I'm part of that entertainment industry. I'm part of that profitability, the NFL, the Major League Baseball. I'm part of I'm part of that TV commercials. And I'm part of the pornography and I'm part of the video games and I like gambling and I like doing things my way. And the great I am is calling you this morning. And he's saying, Won't you come? It's like the invitation Jesus talks about to the wedding feast and the people that he wanted to come wouldn't come. So he sent them out to the highways and byways to invite others. This morning, he's not wanting to invite others. He's wanting to invite you. And he wants you to choose him this morning. His kingdom now. Would you choose now to see his kingdom come in your life? To see his kingdom come in your family. To see his kingdom come in your finances. To see his kingdom come in your vices, in your excesses. Don't you want to get rid of that stuff? Don't you want to stop living for the kingdom of men? Some of you will be wondering why God isn't doing this or that. And it would be that he's going to say someday that because you missed the invitation. Where were you when the preacher gave the the call? His kingdom now. Husband and wife fighting and bickering. Look good on the outside, crumbling on the inside. Live in your own kingdom. Build in your own kingdom. In debt, don't know how you're going to pay the bills. Statistics are in the United States. Caleb, how many was it? How many million? See in the room? I think it was 206 million people go to bed hungry every night. 206 million people go to bed hungry in the United States every night. I said, Caleb, I said, some of that is, is that people are getting tattoos and piercings. They're getting big screen TVs, fancy cars, instead of putting food on the table. Because our priorities are all masked up. 
because we're living for a kingdom that we're, we're making instead of the kingdom of God. Where if you see somebody hungry, you'll feed them. You've got a chance to help them with getting a, a car that you'll do it. That you'll take money from, from this place and invest it over here in this righteous cause. $15.39 billion in video games. $12 billion in pornography. $23 billion in gambling. $11 billion in movies. One last call for you to come. Come. Then when you do, you can say, Lord, I did. I responded to you. I'm seeking you. Now I want you to ask for the Holy Spirit to come and show you some areas in your life where he's not, he's not happy with, he's not pleased. Those areas where you have sin so that we can give it to him. That's the only reason for it. Give it to him so you can be free. So you can be clean. Come clean with the Lord, with the Redeemer, with the I am this morning. Would you just go ahead right there? I want to hear you. I want to hear you ask him out loud. Just ask him, God, reveal to me. Send your Holy Spirit to show me. Just ask him out loud. Please, God, reveal yourself to me. Show me how I failed you. That God, I might receive your forgiveness. God, that I will receive your forgiveness. We practice open communion here, which means if you've, been, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you've invited him into your life, you've You've asked him to forgive you of your sins. And we call that you're saved by him, not by you. Then you can participate with communion. I want during this time of reflection, Joseph's going to go ahead and start. Worship team will lead us and then we're going to take a pause and receive communion together. I want you just to be considering... How you could allow the great I am to be greater in your life. I want to be close, close to your side. So heaven is real, death is a lie. I want to hear voices. Of angels above, singing as one, hallelujah, holy, holy, God Almighty, the great I am, who is worthy, none beside thee, God Almighty. Great I am.
want to be near, near to your heart, loving the world and hating the dark. I want to see dry bones living again, singing as one. Hallelujah. God Almighty, the great I am, who is worthy, none beside thee. God Almighty, the great I am. shake before you the demons run and flee at the mention of your name king of majesty there is no power in hell for any who can stand
This communion is a glorious thing. It's hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know why? Because what this represents is the great I am who is my greatness. Who is your greatness. He has established and made a way for you. And he desires for you to have fellowship with him. See, he's, he's just said, hey, I'm coming. The king is coming there. It's, it's bigger than the president saying, I'm coming to your house tonight. Huh? He, the king of all glory says, I want to commune with you. I, that's what communion is. So here's what it is. He, he says, he's made every way for you to get over your bad old self. He's made every way for you to be forgiven, for you to be clean enough, worthy to receive his body and his blood. It's what he did. He said, it's going to be broken for you so that you don't have to be broken anymore. You could be healed. He said, it's going to be poured out for you so that that which was as, as ugly and dark and nasty, it, it was blotting out your light. Now, I'm going to make you white light. I'm going to give you purity. I'm going to give you innocence. And that's a celebration. That's a Hallelujah. So this morning, go ahead and peel back that, uh, peel back that, that get your, your wafer out. There's a little plastic part. Get rid of that. Pull back that foil. Go ahead and open up your cup. Have, have the elements right there. Yes, Jesus. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, God. Father, thank you for the obedience of Jesus, which has given us the body and the bread. He says that I'm the bread of life. He says here, with that water, you're going to thirst. But the water I have for you, you never thirst again. Thank you for the satisfaction that we have in Christ alone. Thank you, God, that you fill us and you nourish us. God, thank you that there's no want, there's no lack, there's no need we have, God. You've provided everything. You, Lord, are our shepherd. I have no needs. You take care of me in every way. You've included me. You've adopted me. And now, as your son, as your daughter, as your children, we have our inheritance for all eternity in you because of the cross. Because, Jesus, you shed your, your, your blood for us. Your, your body was broken for us. So we rejoice and agree that that's the hallelujah of our lives. And we say, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for your body and for your blood poured out for sinful mankind, that God, you have brought us into your kingdom and you've given us access. You're the great I am. And we celebrate you now. We say hallelujah to you as we receive. And we thank you, God, for him. In Jesus' name, go ahead and let's, let's eat with him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. His kingdom come. His will be done. I want you to be thinking about that. This kingdom now, and that's you. That's you, baby. You're the one. You're bringing. You're supposed to bring it. He says, I want you to be my witnesses, and he wants it to be now. This is the reason you're born. This is, you're, you're here to bring people to Jesus Christ. You're here to, to see people get saved, the lost get found. The great I am, he's done it all for you that you might serve him with your life.
that someday when this life is over, you're going to embrace eternity, the kingdom of heaven. Right now, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Don't be watching for somebody else to bring it. Don't be looking for it somewhere else, some other part or region of the world. Don't be looking at clouds and thinking you're going to see. Get out there and talk to people about Jesus. Live boldly. Let your light shine. For the great I am. Hallelujah, Jesus. The mountains shake before you. The demons run and flee. At the mention of your name, King of Majesty. There is no power in hell or any who can stand. I need a few volunteers for the end of service. We're going to have our prayer team up here. If you need prayer, I want you to be able to linger here and and get prayer for uh, the kingdom of God to come in in your midst, in your life, in your family, in in your neighborhood. Whatever that is that you need for you to be able to get that. So the prayer team will be up here. I need some uh, able-bodied people to help me to clear out uh, the fellowship room. I just need three tables left in there and about six or eight chairs. And uh, I'll come back and give you some instruction. We're setting up for voting on Tuesday. Um, and what else? I had one other announcement. Of course, signing up for, for Burdette and Diane. Anything else? Lee's Keys. Just remember, just put on there. Hey, if you've got five bucks, five bucks matters. Okay? Put, put that in there. I'm not asking people for thousands here. I'm only asking for you to consider what God says to you. And then do that. You can bring it next week, but we're going to be doing something as soon as we can to uh, be a blessing. Amen? So thank you uh, for your fellowship. Thank you for coming to, to uh, God this morning to give him your worship. I thank you for uh, making him uh, in your heart who he really is, which is he's the king of heaven. He's, he's the majesty. Amen? He's the great I am. God bless you as you go. Celebrate him all week long. Celebrate him out there and give him your praise all week long in front of everybody. Amen. Thank you, worship team.